Do you like podcasts about movies, television shows, books, games, and pop culture? How about sports like football and tennis? Here at Freaking Geeks Media, one of our many goals is to create a variety of podcasts that you can enjoy listening to. From the Freaking Geeks podcast to Hungry for Hannibal, Friday Night Mics, the American Gods podcast, and Stranger Things, we know that giving you an assortment of options is one of the best ways of bringing you back for more. But it does take quite a bit of work and expense on our end to make these podcasts a reality. Patreon gives us the opportunity to make a living doing what we love. However, to do this, we need your help. By donating as little as a dollar a month, you get access to both past and upcoming Patreon-only content, as well as early access to regular episodes before they appear on iTunes. Other tier rewards include monthly loot crate giveaways, access to live broadcasts, freaking geeks t-shirts, magnets, and much more. We can honestly say that anything given is greatly appreciated. So consider supporting us by going to www.patreon.com slash freaking geeks and check out what we have to offer. We think you'll like what you see and hear. Welcome to the Tennis Addict Podcast, the podcast for tennis fans by tennis fans. Listen as the hosts break down the latest news and tournament results from around the tennis world. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The podcast is produced early each week, so feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Here are your hosts, Mike, Eric, and Michael. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm here with my co-host and my brother, Eric. Hello, everybody. All right. So we are here, of course, to do our week one recap of Roland Garros. And Eric, it's been a pretty crazy week. Of course, that's how the first week of a Grand Slam usually is. I don't think that a Grand Slam tends to go through the first week without some big uh, upsets, um, top seeds crashing out, that kind of thing, or at least you know, top six to top eight seeds. Um, they don't all generally make it through unscathed. So uh, this week is no exception. So we're going to be talking about that. Uh, as for the news, there really isn't any. It's 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 Roland Garros, you know. So uh, unless there's a major controversy or something earth shattering coming out uh, in terms of news, there generally isn't a whole lot. So uh, we don't have uh, news this week. It's just going to be uh, our mid-tournament uh, review and recap uh, kind of thing, and that's basically what this is going to be. So, it's the rare one setter, Eric. Um, which the- is which is fun. I mean, with a Grand Slam, it's always nice to be able to just focus on a little bit more of the storylines, so we're not kind of cutting stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with some of the you know surprises of the tournament, some you know people making it to the fourth round, quarterfinals that you wouldn't have picked. Uh, on the men's side and especially the women's side. Yep. So, um, I mean, while the, while the top two seeds, um, 
maybe even the top four. Well, no, uh, Dimitrov's out. But anyway, the top two seals on each side are still here. But after that, it's just a pretty big shakeup um, for where people are. Yep. Uh, we do have actually two uh, uh, emails. Some We do have some feedback that we want to get to. Eric, okay. do you want to get into the feedback now or do you want to do it towards the end of the episode? We'll, we'll do it after. Okay, well, we'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, do it after. Okay, so let's start out here. Uh, we're going to start out on the ATP side, and uh, we'll go to the WTA afterwards. Uh, so for this, we're going to start out with notable storylines and or matches so far through week one. And Eric, let's start out with Rafael Nadal. Uh, he, of course, he is the top seed. He's the favorite. And, you know, the first match this week, it was a tough one. Um, you know, most players that come out against Nadal, they – they're kind of beaten before they ever walk out in the court. And, you know, when someone wins 10 Roland Garros titles, they're the greatest clay court player ever by a wide margin. Um, you know, on the women's side, you can certainly make a argument for Chris Everett, of course. But uh, if on the men's side, there's no doubt that Nadal is the best. I think most people would agree to that. So a lot of guys come out and they don't really have uh, a chance in their own minds. So they just go out and they say, oh, you know, what? I'm going to, play my game and just do my best. Hopefully <clears throat> Nadal has a, a really bad day. Hopefully I'm playing my best and uh, see if, if it ends up giving me a win. Uh, but Bellelli seemed to do something a little different. And he came out and just said, screw it. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to grip and rip like I'm on a hard court. And uh, you know what? It actually yielded some positive results. You know, he made it a match. He really made Nadal work. Now, to be fair, the match, the, uh, the conditions were, were wet. It had been raining quite a bit. Um, it was very slippery out there. I know Nadal was not happy with the conditions on the court. Not so much the, the court being wet so much as that I guess there was a lot of the white pebbles and stuff had been pulled up to the surface and that made it much more difficult because you're basically not only you're sliding on the clay, but the pebbles make it even slicker. And then you add in a lot of water and uh, it just made a, a difficult surface even more difficult for him. And I think for any player, so he wasn't happy with that, but Bellelli went out there and he really tried some stuff, made it a tough match. It was, I think, honestly, I think it was a harder match than the score would indicate. Uh, would you agree with that? Well, yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, Nadal is notorious for the beginning of Roland Garros is basically his most susceptible. I mean, we've seen him go five sets once in his career. That was against Isner. Um, he's only lost twice in his career, but it's always the first round, the first match. It's always like, you know, he said himself, he's always nervous before every match. It doesn't matter whether it's the first round or a final. And, you know, we're coming off of him, you know, he takes, he takes more time off now. You know, his practices are not as long as they used to. Moya said that, that, you know, instead of him practicing two, three hours a day where he'll practice 45 minutes, maybe an hour, sometimes he won't pick up a racket for a day or two, you know, more kind of like Agassi where you've got to focus on recovery. So with him starting out a little bit slower, it didn't surprise me as well as, you know, also because Bellelli was, he was doing a Walrinka, uh, grip and rip, um, 
doing decently well at it too. <clears throat> uh, if it wasn't for this was this was postponed to, dar- to darkness or was it rain? Something something with this one, right? This was uh, rain. They had to go off yeah. court for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like an hour or, or something like that, or you know. So you know that that throws it off a little bit um, as well because of the rain. We all know the conditions. Nadal likes it hot and dry, not wet and soggy and damp and slow. But uh, it, it didn't surprise me um, with what happened, just because I was watching Bellelli. Uh He was doing really well with the the one handed backhand, bringing it shallow across court. Uh, to Nadal's forehand, pulling him off the court wider than you normally see. You normally see something like that from Djokovic, who can really hit some angles that are really tough. But Bellelli was doing that. Uh, just wasn't good enough. But, you know, it did force uh, a tie break, um, you know, in the third set, which which is when he was playing really well. So I would say, you know, like we've seen after that match, it's been kind of more smooth sailing uh, since then. But it was definitely a very tough first rounder. Um, Bellelli's not just a regular qualifier. The, the guy's got some good wins under his belt. So uh, I, I expected him to win in straight sets. I didn't expect it to have you know a tie break at the end. But um, that's what you got to do, you know, to beat Nadal. Unless you're, you know, top tier. Nothing against lower guys, but you're not a you're not a team or a Djokovic. Uh, who's beaten the Dawn Clay? You you need to do that. You're you're not gonna be good enough to outsmart the Dawn on Clay. You, the only thing you can hope for is that you grip and rip and and everything's just landing in. You're just having that you know unicorn day uh, to take them out. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but but ever, like you said, ever since then though, every match after that has been straightforward, easy. You know, he's not lost more than three games in a set since the tie break um so it's kind of just like we're back to back to normal yep all right so let's move on here with uh Juan Martin del Potro is actually still in it (laughs) uh you know I think we we talked in our preview I think none of us not well yeah none of us would have been surprised if he would have uh you know either pulled out of the tournament or lost in the first or second round unsure whether or not his groin injury his groin tear was going to be able to withstand uh, running around on clay. Um, so I'm a little surprised he actually entered the tournament considering that I think grass is, you know, Wimbledon's probably a better shot for him to win than I think Roland Garros. Um, even, you know, irregardless of whether Nadal's actually, you know, playing or not, I think that, uh, you know, he's not particularly fond of clay, I think. I mean, he can play on it. We've seen him post some decent results, but. It's not really his best surface. I think grass and hardcore really are the ones that he would excel at, you know, more. But, you know, hey, all credit for the guy to come out there and continue to play hard. And it's not like he's being forced to go four or five sets. He's, you know, he's more or less, you know, going through the competition pretty easily, I think. Well, yeah. And, you know, this is uh, a thing where I think age his you know he's playing starting to play and has been playing as well as he did in back in 0809 when he won the US Open granted he's a little little more inconsistent here but with those many injuries you're going to see that um he's been playing really well uh as as well like like you know he beat Ramos Vinolas who's a dirt baller um 
I think he made it to the finals of Monte Carlo last year. I think it was him against yep. Nadal. Yes. So, you know, someone who knows how to play on clay, but, you know, his backhand has gotten more consistent. His forehand is pretty much the most lethal forehand in all of tennis right now. Um, like, I know Nadal's is a great one, but, uh, Delpo, just the speed and the flatness that he hits with, it's, it's insane. So, um, and, and he's playing really well. You know, he's serving really well. You know, his second serve points, he is the only thing he's really going to work on. Uh, in the tournament. Otherwise, he's converting break points at over 50%. He's winning over 50% net points. And you know him. He's not normally a net guy. Uh, doesn't come in a whole lot, but he's, uh, he's been hitting more winners than errors. So, you know, he's beat two Frenchmen and a Spaniard. You know, he beat Mahout. He beat Julian Benito. Now, granted, everybody he's playing is older, like himself. Um, could be a little bit different because I believe he plays Isner. Yeah, he plays Isner next because yes. uh, Isner beat uh, Herbert. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a good match. It's going to be like just pounding back and forth. Serves versus forehands is basically what it's going to be. Uh, and, and he can beat John the way he's been playing. You know, he dropped that first set against Mahout, um, the very first set of the tournament. But ever since then, you know, he was just wiping everybody. You know, he's won nine straight sets now. Um, you know, and, and he could take Isner. Isner could take him out. I, I'm not really sure. I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to venture guess who's going to win. But uh, it's nice to see both of them, both big men, you know, making it <clears throat> into um, the fourth round uh, of the tournament. And and we'll see. I mean, I'm surprised, but it, it's exciting because, you know, we missed Del Poe for too many years on tour. You know, because um, if you would never got injured, it would have been the big five from the get go. And there would have been some, you know, possibly uh, some Wimbledon's or some U.S. Opens or some Australians that wouldn't have went to the big four, the big three uh, if he'd have been involved. No, I definitely agree. There's no doubt. Um, a fully healthy Del Potro in his prime, uninjured. Uh, was scary. I, a lot of, lo- <laughs> a lot of uh, I think Djokovic, Nadal and Federer would all have a Maybe a couple less slams I think so each. Too. Than I mean, it's something have. to say that you come back from two sets down to Federer at the U.S. Open and beat him. Yeah, you know. Yep, I agree. <clears throat> All right, so um, moving on here, we have Alexander Zverev. Now, this is a big surprise. He comes through, and he just today he came through his third straight five-set match to make it to his first quarterfinal result at a Grand Slam. Big deal because at this point he had never made it to the quarterfinals of a slam. Um, now, the question I have for you, Eric, is this. Will these matches catch up even to a 21-year-old? Now, when you're 21 yes. years old – I know, right. It, it will. But you know, yeah. when you're 21, your powers of uh, recovery are obviously um, – Better. Than much most. better. Uh, we've seen it all you know, in his prime, uh, especially back when he was in his early uh, 20s. To mid twenties, um, he could he could go out there and play, you know, two maybe three five setters and and you know still have a shot. Uh, we saw him uh, Australian Open two thousand nine. He went five hours over five hours, I believe, against Verdasco in the semis, and then went five hours against Federer in the final and won. So we know it's possible. However, the question is. At what point is this going to really hurt him? Because you have to think that this latest match against Kakanov, right? 
I saw this match as if if he had wiped the mat with the last two opponents, he probably would have done so with Kakanov. I think this five setter, I mean, don't get me wrong, Kakanov was playing well, but I think at least <clears throat> part of the reason why Kakanov was able to get him down two sets to one, you know, at one point in the match was at least partially because he'd already come through two straight five set matches already. And that definitely aided Kakanov in, in kind of wearing Zverev down. Now, all credit to, like I said, Zverev for coming back in this latest match again, coming from two sets to, uh, two sets to one down and, uh, finding a way to get through and win this latest match, but it's got to catch up to him. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, it did there, uh, you know, uh, Kachanov, you know, beat a couple of decent players. He beat uh, Garcia Lopez, who took out Walringa. Then he took out Lucas, Luca Pri, straight sets. Um, and Zverev, in defense of Zverev, and I don't like to do that much, but, you know, um, besides his first match against Brankus, um, which is a pushover, you know, he had to face uh, Dusan Lahovic, and, and this guy's been disruptive as of lately playing better than i think he's ever played you know he's upset a couple of people been winning some good matches in the last three four months so you know for uh an un- unseated player like that's a pretty solid hard second round match then he goes and plays zoomer um who took out <clears throat> um kudla um the american and he did have a five setter against albert um but you know that was he had match points on his racket against Zverev served for the match had match point once or twice I don't remember if it was twice but I know at least once he had match point um and Zverev eked by that and then you know he goes um uh goes up against oh god I'm blanking right now um Kachanov um and Kachanov had a three-setter normal and I think that helped Kachanov there um but it's like okay so he's gone five-setters against people lesser than him so what's in the future well He's got to hope he can do that against team. I don't see it happening after that because Chechenato upset Gofan. Um, and Chechenato, you know, dude, the way this guy's been playing is, is he's my surprise of all the tournament right oh, now. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, more than anybody else, more than Del, Del Po or Fognini, anybody. It's, it's Chechenato because he's been playing really well. I mean, it's one thing, um, you know, to be good players, but, you know, he blanked. Go fan in the third set, six love. And that's, that's something to say. So he goes against Djokovic. So Zverev is expected to beat team, then Djokovic, and then maybe Nadal. Like I, <clears throat> at some point, he's gonna, he's gonna hit the wall. And, and I expect it to be against team. Um, I don't, the way team's been playing. Um, team is the biggest threat, in my opinion, to Nadal right now for the tournament. I mean, Djokovic has been winning. Djokovic played over Dasco today, who, you know, had a really bad blister, you know, played pretty well, but it was evident there in the, you know, in the end of the first set, even where Verdasco was limping around <clears throat> uh, on that foot. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. And you could tell, uh, you could tell it just, it just wasn't there. And, uh, but you could also look at Djokovic. Djokovic was hitting weird moon balls for whatever reason, whether tactical or just his shots weren't there. But it was kind of like looked like the 80s where <laughs> Borg and Mackin and them would, you know, lob in moon balls and crap like that. That's what it kind of looked like. So, I mean, Djokovic is there. So as far as beats team, he's going to take on, you know, either Chechenot or Djokovic. But I just don't see him 
making it past. I mean, team's been well rested. He's had to play a lot less sets um, than than he did than he has. So I don't really think uh, it's looking good for uh, for um, Zverev uh, because once you look at and see what you know who teams take t- t- taken out. You know, he took out the other Italian Baronet Bertini, uh, which he didn't lose a set before that. Though he took out Tsitsipas. And uh, Stefano Tsitsipas has been playing really well this year. So he's had, you know, good players that he's beaten solidly. And now he's going against Zverev. And I'm pretty certain he's got a winning record against Zverev on clay. I think. Am I wrong on that? Um, like a team? No. Yeah. It's, I think it's – I believe it's – I think actually Zverev has the winning record against team. If I'm on not clay. I'm not talking about clay. winning record anywhere else though. Oh. That I'm not entirely sure. I'll look sure that up while you, you give me your points. Okay. Uh, yeah, look, I think that, um, you know, Zverev is going to feel this. Obviously, as you were alluding to, you know, you have only so much that you can take in terms of like the physical wear and tear in a tournament. You know, I think we saw a few years ago, Nishikori, Ki Nishikori had three straight five setters in order to get to the final of the U.S. Open. And when he faced Marin Cilic in that final, he was a shadow. He was he was maybe 30, 40% at best of what he was capable of had he been fully healthy, uh, which is why Cilic managed to win that pretty quickly. It was a very um, uh, lackluster final, but it was only be, it was only lackluster because Nishikori was unable to summon up his best tennis. And uh, I'm afraid that that's going to happen to Zverev. If he gets, if he doesn't manage to win against Team in straight sets, I cannot see him getting to getting past the semifinals. Regardless, in a lot of ways, and I hate to say this, regardless of who he plays, whether it is Djokovic or not, I feel like <clears throat> if he cannot get past Team in straight sets. If he gets pushed to four or even another five setter, I just do not see how he'll be able to actually keep winning because at some point this will catch up to you. You cannot spend, you know, four, three and a half, four, four and a half hours on court every single match, even with a day of rest in between, and still think you can go out there and continue to play at the level necessary to win a Grand Slam title. It's not going to happen. And if you don't walk into that final, even if he were to somehow, you know, say play another four or five setter between now and the final and go into that match against Nadal, Nadal wasn't put through a really, really tough test and is forced to go five sets in the semis. You know, uh, I just don't see how Zverev would have a chance, really. So, well, and uh, team has a winning <clears throat> winning record against Zverev. He's four and two. Uh, he's uh, it, I think it's three because if they played in Nice, France, it has to be clay too. But he's uh, three three and one against Zverev on clay. Now Zverev did okay. take right. the the match this year in Madrid. Uh, it was close. It was six four six four, but that was also an on fire uh, on fire Zverev. And then you know you had team. Um, did you know still coming back for the most part? I've got to say because as early as Madrid was, you know he got injured in Miami and was coming back, you know as well. So he's playing better now than he was playing even in Madrid. So we'll see. I mean, until 
until he gets to Nadal, if he wins, this is going to be Zverev's hardest test. And the same thing for team because Djokovic is not playing, you know, to his level, to their level right now. He might make it, might be Cecchinato, but I would say this, this feels like this is the semifinal because whoever's going to win this, this match is probably going to make it to the final. I mean, unless it's a grueling five setter, yeah, then I can see going against Djokovic and have nothing in the tank. But I just, after watching Djokovic today, unless he changes stuff around, he's just not, not there enough consistently and mentally. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Eric, uh, probably my pick for, I think, for match of the tournament was the Gofan versus Guy Monfils match yeah, it was uh, exciting this match was was fantastic uh great shot ma- shot making from both players monfis looked um you know his usual self sometimes he was kind of down and out grabbed a point of his knee you know milking the drama i like to say but uh he then he would turn around and hit three screaming winners in the next couple of minutes um but the thing is in the fourth set monfis had four match points I was actually on GoFan's serve, and GoFan was able to weather the storm, find a way somehow to get through it, uh, win the fourth set, and then uh, Monfils's, you know, defenses and his will crumbled, and mm-hmm. GoFan was able to to win the fifth set pretty easily. So, but I mean, this was a great match because of the drama, the shot making, the circumstances, how everything went down. It was just, it was fun to see. It was nice to see. And, you know, of course, any match with Guy Monfils is going to be entertaining. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. It definitely was the most, it's the most exciting match. It wasn't the, the upset of the tournament, but it was definitely the most exciting. I mean, Monfils is a showman as much as he is a tennis player. So, you know, anytime he's on court in front of a French crowd, he's just, it's like he can't help himself. Uh, that he's got to, you know, do a little bit of showboating, give the crowd, you know, something to look at. I don't think he personally believes he's ever going to win the French. And I think that it hurts him in a way, but I think he's, um, you know, resigned to making it as far as he can, but he wants to enjoy and have fun. Um, and, and that's what causes him to sometimes get, you know, not say defocused, but, uh, unfocused at certain points in the match where he could have had that. He should have had that, in my opinion. When he had momentum there, um, he let GoFan get back in it and, you know, he didn't have the killer instinct to finish him off like he should have. So unfortunately, you know, we are where we are now. And, uh, you know, GoFan, you know, credit to him, came back and, uh, you know, took it in the fifth set. And then, you know, that affected GoFan because, you know, he lost earlier today too. So it, uh, it was a great match. And, uh, I just wish, would have loved to see Gail pull it out. You know, guy, he, I, he's such talented, so much talent. He's like curious where you're just like, oh, God, if you would just quit, if you would just focus and put in 10% more effort than you do, you'd probably win a lot more. You know? Oh, I agree. Uh, uh, I've, I've complained about <clears throat> Gail Monfils a lot over the last, 10 years mm. and I'm starting to become resigned to the fact that uh, look Monfils is who he is um, maybe you I don't agree with you know having all that talent and that that athleticism and and somehow still not finding a way to uh, 
be a better player and strive for the biggest titles. But then, you know, if, if I guess I'm to the point now where I'm just like, Hey, look, if this is what he loves to do and he likes to go out and entertain people and that's his big thing, he's achieved what he wants. Fine. You know, it's just yeah. frustrating that somebody with that much talent is content with, you know, playing at a probably about 70% of their capacity, which is, the, I think it is about where he plays at. I think he has about another 30%. I really do. Had he applied that extra 25, 30%, that's a Grand Slam winner. Well, yeah. I mean, he yeah. won, what, all of the junior Grand Slams? Then you have like I, a junior I, Grand Slam or something. I, I don't he know. Won he won a lot of them. He yeah, won quite a few. I think he, he won like, three in a year. I think he won yeah, three in a year. Yeah, something like that. So, you know, he had a lot of, um, a lot of promise and maybe that, that kind of early success affected, you know, your motivation. You know, it's not, it's not the same, but still it's a lot of success to have before you actually turn pro. Um, and that may have been a little bit of it, but, um, Besides Gale and being your your pick of the tournament, your not your your best match of the tournament, what did you think of uh, Dimitrov uh, getting flattened <laughs> in straight sets? Uh, yeah, I mean, partially, partially <clears throat> I'm surprised, and then partially I'm not surprised because uh, you know it's one of those things where we have to start. We ha- I think we have to start accepting the fact that there's a really good chance that that Dimitrov, for all of his promise. We'll never achieve a Grand Slam title, you know, with all of that ability and the the uh, variety and the game and you know modeled after Roger and all of that stuff. It's quickly becoming apparent. And don't get me wrong; I understand he won the World Tour Finals, and that was an amazing title for him. And you should you would have thought that he would have taken that title win, and he would have said, "I'm using this as a springboard in the next season, and then I'm really going to." to finally achieve what I want. And instead, he came out into the season and he basically has fallen flat on his face for much of the year. And um, he may have Federer's game, but he doesn't have Federer's brain. And he doesn't have no. Federer's will and belief. And at the end of the day, if you do not have the brain and and more importantly, the will, the fire, the drive – and I think there's just a missing aspect to Dimitrov. I don't think at his core he really believes that he he belongs in the upper tier. And if you don't believe that you belong up in the upper tier, you don't. So in Zverev believes, you know he does. So yeah. Well, I think I think Dimitrov can can win one. I, I mean, mean he can. Still, I just don't think I just don't know if he will. He, I think he's got about I two think, more years. I think he will. I I just think it's going to be a bit. I think it's going to be after after Murray, Djokovic, Nadal, and Fed basically aren't playing anymore because as of right now, he can't get through those guys. Um, yeah, he had some great matches at Australia, five setter with Nadal. Um, won the World Tour Finals, but basically everybody wasn't there. Basically a vacant World Tour Final. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, he can do it when he's playing well, but it's, I don't think it's going to be soon. If, if he wins one, it's going to be because he, other people beat the better people that he couldn't. You know, it, it's one of those type of deals where, you know, if he faces somebody in the top five, you know, I'm granted he's a fourth seed, but if he faces somebody else in the top five, it's it's a roadblock. He just can't get past it mentally. So I think if there's, you know, come US Open and 
you know, Djokovic and, and Nadal and Fed get knocked out and he doesn't have to face either of them. Yeah, I think he goes into playing younger generation better than the older generation. I mean, you know, the match against Verdasco, uh, it, it didn't start off bad. I mean, he had he had more return points in the first set than he did the second and third set combined. It's like he lost that, that tiebreaker and was deflated. I mean, he had five breakpoint chances and only converted one. Um, he won 21 return points and Verdasco only won 12 and yet Verdasco won. I think it, that was a crush, crushing blow because then after that, I mean, his second serve is what let him down. He only won one second serve point in the second set. One. Yeah, that's, that's, and, terrible. that's terrible. And in the third set, he won five. You're not going to not get broken when you can't protect your second serve. Um, didn't go to the net as much as he needed to either. You know, in the second set, yeah, he went to the net six times, but he just couldn't, couldn't convert his break points. It's like he, he didn't know how to, on clay, he did not know how to respond to the lefty serve on the ad side when he had that as an advantage, couldn't do it. In the third set, he only went up to the, to the net once. So, I mean, that's what led to it. I think he got deflated. It looked like he just didn't believe in himself, didn't have an answer. And Vanasco was playing well. Vanasco was playing, you know, a lot better than he has in recent years. I mean, he's under Gil Reyes now. You know, I think it was even last year, but Gil's been training for Dasco, and we all know Gil trained Agassi. So, you know, you know Verdasco's fit, and, uh, you know, he was just playing really well. But it's also not surprising. It's Clay. I, it's it's Dimitrov's worst chance, in my opinion, to oh, be honest. Definitely. So we'll, uh, <clears throat> you know, we'll have to wait and see what he does in grass. But. Well, speaking of players um, <clears throat> with a lack of belief, how about Jack Sock? Um, Jack Sock's less I wouldn't than say, stellar. I, see, that one I watched, man, and I don't want to say it's lack of belief. I think he was so stunned because, you know, Jurgen Zop, you just you don't think of anything of it. You're like, all right, Sock, you know, one Master Series – um, and Jurgen comes out, but what people, you know, uh, forget is that, uh, Jurgen has been doing better in the last six months. Cause I looked this up cause I never heard of the guy. Um, but in the last six months has been making strides in his game, especially his backhand. Um, and this was another case of the, the more aggressive returner, a guy on the return, was the decider in the set because they both served about the same, both won first or percentage as well. Both came up to the net a lot. I mean, they, it was like 30 plus times for each of them. Um, and it just came down to, you know, the break points converted because Sonks, Sonks usually pretty good at holding a serve, but, uh, Zop had 19 break point chances. 19. That's a lot. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're trying to save of, of chances and uh you know he just couldn't save more than than you know Jurgen did. Uh Sock converted four of eight, but Jurgen converted six of nineteen. And it was a five setter and it was tough. Um but also, you know, it, it just seemed like after the third set, you know, when Sock won and midway through the fourth, um, I don't know if he was getting fatigued or just didn't think he had enough in the gas to, to finish it, but he just started to drop off um drop off a bit in the fourth set uh, because um, Jurgen was still coming in at net. 
Uh, he won twice as many return points as, as, as Jack. So it just felt like Jack's service games were getting a little bit weak. But, I mean, it's not like Jurgen beat him and then lost the next round. Jurgen went on and um, upset um, – uh, what was the guy's name? Um, do you remember who it was that he, he upset? Oh, Mike? He, oh, oh Jurgen Zopamine. Yeah, oh, oh Bemelman's. Um, it was just another yeah. qualifier, but it was another. It was a tough five setter. Um, so he didn't just beat Sock and go on to lose. He won another five setter, and then you know he ran into the um, <clears throat> kind of surprise second surprise contestant of the tournament and martyr who uh, you know took out Harrison and Shapovalov, um, and then took out Zop in straight sets. So it. Uh, I don't know. It, it didn't surprise me that much. I think of all the Americans, Sock is the worst on clay. I think Query, both Query and Disner are better on clay than Sock. Which is crazy because Sock, you know, Sock with that forehand and all that top spin, it should be a better. I'm not saying he's, you know, a person he doesn't know how to. He doesn't know how to construct the points, though. I was yeah. watching some of the replays because I didn't watch the match. But I was watching the replays and, you know, he was kind of standing still after hitting some of the shots. I'm thinking – you need to move back in the center of the court. You're not in position. So I don't know what, what kind of goes on with him and clay, but you know, you got to remember that your opponents have more time to get to that ball. You need to be expecting the shot to come back. And he wasn't doing that enough. So he was out of position and then Zop was hitting, you know, hitting good shots too. He was just, he was kind of like grip and rip, you know, he was going against someone who seated far better than him. Um, and it just kind of worked. So, um, not disappointed. I just didn't expect Sock to go anywhere. Okay. Honestly, I had, I had query who performed better query and an Isner is who I had, you know, the American hopes kind of for clay. And this so far Isner is the only one that's fulfilling that at the moment. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> who is Mark, uh, Chechenado? He's taken out Pablo Carina Busta and he took out David, uh, David Goffin today. Um, Chechenado is somebody who's up Djokovic's next. And this is somebody who's 25 years old. Um, it appears like he's really starting to make some noise now. He's 6'1, so he's, he's a guy, he's over six feet tall. So that's uh, certainly going to help him, I think, on clay. Uh, but I'm a little surprised, you know, this is, um, somebody I've never really heard too much about. And, uh, I guess, well, I mean, he's, he's 25. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's not, um, he's not like ranked out of hundred. It's like 70. He's somewhere in like the low seventies, um, like 70, 71, 72, something like that. So it, yeah, he wasn't seated. People, you know, you don't really hear his name a lot per se, but you know, he's in the top 100. Um, you know, 25. I think, I think he, you know, he, he won the first match, was a tough five setter, was down two sets of love. I think him coming back and winning that gave him a lot of confidence, uh, especially in the fifth. He won 10 8 in the fifth on that against, I don't know who that guy was, couple or something like that. Um, and then he goes in the second round and just destroys Trungaletti, um, who I don't know who that guy is, but you know, six one, seven six, six one. And I think he's just been riding a wave of confidence, kind of like playing with house money. Uh, because he was I don't think Copa had match point, but uh Copa was serving to go up uh six five and Chechenato broke and then served to take the third set. So, you know, sometimes when people get like they, they should have lost. <laughs> I think that's kind of how he felt. And then you just relax. I mean, you, you perform better than you expected. 
And then, you know, if you don't, if you have low expectations and you, you know, surpass those, well, you're playing with house money. And I think that's kind of what he was doing. He beat second round match straight sets. You know, he went against Karina Busta, who is a 10th seed, um, took him out in four. And it seems like he performs better as the sets go on. He starts out slow a little bit and then he kind of ramps up because he won the third and fourth set six three and six one and Krino Busta is you know a pretty well proven clay court player over his career um and then against Gofan now I think Gofan was a little bit worn by the Malfis because that one was completed the next day they didn't get to finish that um on time so Gofan didn't have a day of rest in between Gofan finished that I'm pretty certain I'm right Gofan finished uh with Malfis and then had to play today. That was just yep. yesterday. Yep, exactly. So, you know, him not getting a full day's rest, going against Amp Cecinato, and, uh, you know, he pulls it out. Now we're going to see, I'm not going to say it's a bigger test, but the fans never won a Master Series, never won a Grand Slam. So he's going to have to go against Djokovic. Can he beat Djokovic the way I saw Djokovic playing today? Yes. But he's going to have to play like he played Goffin today against Djokovic. He's not going to be able, if he lets the occasion get to him, if he lets, you know, oh, I'm facing Djokovic getting his head, he's going to lose quickly and badly. But if he just goes in like, hey, I'm going to play my game, going to do my strategy, and if I win, I win. If I don't, I don't. I think he's got a good shot of upsetting Djokovic. Of all the the next round matches, I think we're in, what, fourth round? Yep. Um, of, of all the matches uh, right now, that's my pick to be an upset because i don't see um everybody else is kind of a close i mean i I have fognini would be my next upset i think fognini can upset chilich but otherwise i see you know chechenado um upsetting djokovic is this is is my biggest surprise um but that can happen because, you know, teams vary. It's not really surprising. Isner, Delpo could go either way. Schwartzman, Anderson, either way. You know, I don't see Martyr beating the doll, but I think he could give him, you know, a tough match. Because Martyr has been doing pretty good. I mean, he he beat Zop in straights to get to Nadal. But uh, besides that, I mean, Martyr is actually, like we said before, did pretty good. He took out Shapovalov. So the great Canadian hope. <laughs> <laughs> the great Canadian. That's right. Well, I mean, until until um, uh, Roundage finally gets to health again, he's he's past him. You know, Roundage has dropped out of the rankings pretty well. So as of right now, he's he's the current great Canadian hope. All right, Eric. Uh, let's run down through the matches, <clears throat> and I want you to make your picks. Uh, all right. So let's start out with Nadal versus Maximilian Martyr. Uh, Kids made some noise, um, but I think I think can... it's going to be straight sets. I just think they'll be tighter. I don't expect him to roll through like he did Paya and, and Gasquet, um, just because of the type of game Martyr plays. He's a lefty. Uh, yeah, He's a lefty. and a lot of spin. I, <clears throat> yep, and so I think Nadal knows how to play them. But the last time they all played a lefty, I think he lost a set. Even no, nope, um, that was uh, no, that was uh, Paya. Uh, oh, it was Payet? No, yeah. oh, yeah, I forgot. So before him, there was somebody else that he had a little bit of trouble with. Um, but anyway, I, I expect it to be a straight sets win. I just, uh, I'm expecting not to be 6-1, 6-2s. I'm expecting 6-4s, 6-4s, 7-5 type of deal, something like that. Yeah, it's always a little worrying because you never know when you face someone you've never played before. 
Yeah. There's always a little in the back of your head. I don't know how to play and again, them again. It's only playing with house money. Martyrs yeah. never made it this far. So he's either – I'll say this. My pick is it's going to be tough, but he could get steamrolled. It depends on the mindset that guy comes in with. You know, if if he's super nervous against he's playing the doll 10-time champion, if he plays like that, he's going to get crushed. But if he goes in kind of like Chechinato has been doing and, and keeping it up and going, you know what? Further than I ever should have been. Let's just make the most of it. Then he can make it, you know, at least a match. Um, but the next one is is one I'm curious about. I just don't know how to go. Yeah. Schwartzman Anderson. What's your pick? Uh, okay. Yeah. Obviously, the top. I'm, I'm going on Nadal. Obviously, now Schwartzman for Anderson. <clears throat> uh, you know, it's it's a tough one. Schwartzman's a great returner, uh, but Anderson's got the giant serve. But if, if Schwartzman can get a racket on the ball and we get into a rally, then all of a sudden that favors Schwartzman by a lot. That's uh, who I'm going to pick. I'm going to go with Schwartzman because I, I think that – I think he's going to get just enough returns back into play, um, especially on Anderson's second serve, that it's going to give him just the, just the amount of daylight he needs in service games and or, or sets in order to find a way to break through. I don't think it's going to be a straight sets victory. I do think it'll go four sets to Schwartzman. See, I think it's going to get a three sets. I was not, I was not thrilled with Kevin's win against Misha Zverev. Right. Um, I, I just wasn't. I, that wasn't thrilling to me. I, I felt that it should have been a much, much better, um, much better match than it was. So, and the fact that Schwartzman took out Borner Chorich in straights. Uh, he's gonna be a little fresher. Um, but I mean, the fact that Anderson had to struggle, lost a set, um, had to win a set in a tie break against mm-hmm. Misha. I just don't see him doing that. I mean, he came into the net a lot. So is it, it is his only shot is if Schwartzman does not know how to handle. He came into that like 27 times. Misha came into that nine times in their match and Misha is the surfing volleyer, but <laughs> you know, that was what was kind of surprising. So his only real chance is um, kind of serving volleying behind it because Schwartzman, Mr. Consistency, he's like a David Ferrer. So he's, uh, you know, you're not going to get a lot of errors out of him. So, uh, but I'm picking Schwartzman. Okay. Um, my real stumper though is Chilich Fognini. I just, I want Fognini to win so bad, but then yeah. Fognini also scares me because, you know, when the dude plays to his potential, he's, you know, He's insane, dude. He just, I mean, he crushed Nadal off the court um, before on clay. And uh, when he when he goes, like when he's on, it's like, where is this Fognini at every match? Right. Because when he, when he plays like to his best, like that's a Fognini that can win a clay court, can, can win Roland Garros. It's just, he's, he's, he just he's hot and cold. That's the thing. You get a hot Fognini for two rounds, and then the next Fognini shows up is is just not there. He's like a ghost of himself. So I don't know what happens, but uh, I'm going to pick. Um, I'm going to pick Fognini, um, just okay. just because I want Chilich to lose. <laughs> well, yeah, at least we you know you're picking with your brain. Um, I'm going to yeah. go with Chilich here, uh, just because I I don't think that. The chillage. It's probably the smarter pick. I mean, he beat Johnson in straight sets, and Fognini had the five setter against Edmund. I wouldn't say Edmund's tougher than Johnson, but I, I just think, I think, see, Fognini rises. He's like the Steelers, how we say they play to the level of their competition, 
Fognini does that too. You know, Fognini will lose against someone who's ranked 150th, but then he'll go against someone who's ranked 20th and he'll beat them. And it's like, what in the world are you doing? Because you're losing the people you shouldn't and you're beating people you shouldn't. So either way, you're doing something you shouldn't. Right. And that's what he does sometimes. So I think that's just, that's the reason why I'm picking Fognini because I can see him showing up and be like, no, 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 you know, and uh, just, just putting, I think it's going to be a five setter. Either way, whether either wins, I think it's going five. All right. Uh, Isner Del Potro. Um, this, is a, this is a tough one. I, I don't want to pick Del Potro only because I feel like with that groin injury, it's it's a problem. Um, and I'm just wondering when that's going to rear its ugly head. Uh, and John's been playing you know, very well. He, he really hasn't been pushed too much. Uh, that uh, Horatio Zabalas match went four sets. It was a... You know, three tiebreakers in that one. Um, but, you know, overall, it's a toughie. Um, it's not Isner's best surface. It's not Del Potro's best surface. I think Isner's got far more flexibility to his game. But but if Isner's serving well, it's a tough day at the office. Honestly, I – boy, you know, I hate to say it, but <clears throat> I, I think I'm – I'm going to go with Del Potro. I just, I feel like Del Potro is. You just flip flopped how you started your, your speech. Right. I know. <laughs> I know. But I'm like, cause I'm thinking about how well Isner's playing, but at the same time, I just, I feel like. Unless... I think Del Potro, I think Del Potro's going to win too. I, I think it's going to be four sets. I think there's going to be a couple of uh, tie breaks um, just because both of them have a really mean serve. If John serves on, I just don't see either one of them really breaking. I mean, they follow up their serves with a forehand. It's 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 kind of like lights out. So I'm I'm expecting a four setter with Delpo with at least two two sets being tie breaks. That's that's what my pick is. But I think it's going to be Delpo in four. Okay. Would I like it to be John? Yeah. Will I be upset if it's John? No. I mean, either way, it's a win. You know, either one of them. I never expected to make this far. You know, I don't think you did either. No. Um, either one of them, it's the furthest they've ever been already. And one of them's going to get to the, um, to the quarterfinals. So, you know, I just think it's going to be Del Po. Uh, quick, uh, correction there. The po- the Potra got to the semis 10 years ago. He did get to the semis 10 years ago. I believe. Oh, well, that's maybe, just so long ago. Maybe it was, that, uh, maybe it was the quarters. One of the, but he's been, he's been deep one he's time. He's been, he's been, he's been deep. Okay. okay. Yeah, dude, that's. One time. I'm too old. You All can't right. tell me stuff 10 years ago unless it's Nadal winning somewhere. I don't remember. Okay. So uh, we've got uh, 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 Chechenato. Um, yeah, I don't – that one, I, I'm going to say Chechenato. I'm, I'm, I'm picking the upset. I'm just going to do it now. Um, okay. You know, I feel after beating Karina Busta, after beating Gofan, it's going to have confidence. And, you know, Djokovic is going to have confidence too. I mean, he beat Batista Gudi, he beat Verdasco, he beat a couple of Spaniards. Um, but Chechenado doesn't play like the Spaniards do. You know, once you beat Batista Gudi while Fernando was lefty, Spaniards play similar ball. I mean, they're trained that way. You know, they, they play like dirt ballers. And Chechenado kind of isn't. He's not playing that way. So I, I'm picking Chechenado to beat Djokovic um, in four sets. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, all right, so we have uh, – actually, I'm going to pick uh, Tichana as well. Um, I think you're right. I believe that uh, for, you know, Djokovic's getting better. He's improving each week. But 
Uh, I just I don't know. His, his game like is improved today. His he, game he played is, a lot better against Batista Gute than he did against Bernasco. Right, Bernasco's injury, um, and because Djokovic kind of just knew how to play Verdasco. Verdasco was, like I said, he was employing an adult-ish strategy, but just does not hit to that forehand like Nadal does. So, yeah, I, I, I just think the Djokovic's mindset. He's just it's it's too brittle, too brittle mm-hmm. right now. Uh, all right, so Dominic Team uh, versus Alexander Zverev. Uh, who are you taking in that match? I'm taking Team in straight sets. Okay. I think Team Team knows that that he has to avenge. He's going to be back to avenge his Madrid loss, um, and I you know he's going to be gunning for it. And I think Zverev's going to be a bit tired. Um, I think team's going to come out firing. The, the only shot Zverev has if team turns into Rome of last year against Djokovic team where he's spraying balls everywhere, but I don't see that happening. I just see now Zverev's got a great return. Um, if Zverev's going to beat team, it's because team's first serve and second serve are not doing well because Zverev does have a really great return. That backhand return is phenomenal. However, team's been serving pretty well. Uh, this tournament, first serve and second serve. So I just see, I just see it being too much. Um, and I, I think teams just out to prove, prove himself right now. So I'm picking team in straight sets. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to pick team. I'm going to pick team though, less because of the matchup and more because of just the wear and tear on Zverev. Um, I just think at some point this is going to catch up and I think it's going to be in this match because you know, some matches that Zverev has been in, um, at least like take the Kakanov match, you know, that's more, uh, at least partially, I would say a serving kind of match where Kakanov got, you know, some free points on his serve. Zverev got free points on his serve. But when you get somebody that can push Zverev into long rallies and wear him down leg wise, that's where it's going to really hurt him. And team will push Zverev back and forth across the court until Zverev can't run anymore, until his legs literally give out. Um, so three, five setters against someone like team, if he's not totally uh, defeating himself um, out on court, then I think that team will take out Zverev in four sets. All right. So let's move on to the women's side, Eric. Uh, notable storylines. Uh, we had some people here that, that former, either, uh, former champions and or people who won clay court tournaments in the clay season, all people that were either favored or in that upper tier of possible winners all out of the tournament. So Yelena Ostapenko lost in the first round, completely just terrible match, crushed under the weight of expectation of uh, repeating as champion. Um, you know, Petra Kvitova, who had played extremely well in clay, uh, looked really great coming into the tournament. She's out as well. Um, yeah. It uh, just, don't forget about, don't forget about Azarenka. I mean, and, granted, and, she's and, never been one I, I'd say, hey, she's going to win Roland Garros. She's match tough and, and she hasn't she lost, much. yeah, she lost the first round to Sinyakova, 7575, straight yeah. sense, uh, as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that one was another surprise because I'm like, okay, uh, you know, I, I didn't expect her to make it to like the quarters, but I fully thought 
um, she was going to make it to at least like the third round. I mean, I didn't know about the Ostapenko matchup because if she'd have beaten Sinikova, she was going to play Ostapenko, but I certainly didn't see her losing in the first round either. Didn't see Venus losing in the first round to Wang. Now, um, she played well. I mean, what Wang beat, uh, I think her sister, pretty certain it was her sister the next round. Oh no, because her sister lost to Mardik, was going to play her. Um, didn't see that one either. And then, uh, the same thing with, um, um, well, I mean, Vanilla King usually did decent in Rolling Garros, but she, she lost as well too, you know, straight sets. And then don't forget, um, uh, God, uh, Chris, uh, Christina McHale, the American, um, you know, she lost to Dolguru and I just, I'm like, who? I mean, I didn't expect her to really go either, but I mean, people losing even in the first round, they don't expect to go really far, just still losing in the first round. I'm like, what? What is going on? Um, yeah. So the women's side's wide open, in my opinion, completely wide open. Well, yeah, we'll we'll get down to some of this here. Um, you know, Caroline Wozniacki has looked the best that she's ever looked on clay. That's true. I think. That's true too. Um, I mean, she's right now. She's in a match against Daria Kazakina. She lost the first set uh, in a tie break. It's tied three all in the second set, but it's been suspended. I'm I'm assuming. Due to dark darkness, because they're six they're six hours ahead of us. Right, so it's nine right. thirty so right now. It would be. So we'll have to wait and see how that match <clears> goes tomorrow. Um, so, but anyway, I mean, Wozniacki's looked great. You know, she's she's played well. She has managed to get through most of her matches without too much trouble. Well, um, I mean, she hasn't until today. She hasn't lost a set. Right. And the most game she lost in a set was a tiebreak. She won seven six the very first set of the tournament. Otherwise, it's been one zero, zero and three and things like that. So, right. Um, but Kasakina has been playing really well this tournament too. Yeah, she has. All right. So, um, you know, Serena Williams is competing. I think very well so far. Uh, you know, we we questioned yeah. just how much she was going to be able to, how well she'd be able to come into the tournament, uh, having not really played at all for all year. I don't, it was and, it's not a problem for Serena. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Her game is is one punch, like two punch tennis. You know, pound the serve in. The the response is weak and winner. Yeah. And um, I think once. You know, she she got a little bit back into shape. And that's really all it was. I, I don't think it was the matches she needed under because we've seen her come from layoffs and playing like not playing at all and then just coming in a tournament and winning it straight up. And you're like, how? Um, but I think with her, it was more the fitness. She tried to rush herself back, she said, um, you know, and, be, you know, becoming a mother, <laughs> being a mother and the changes that it does to the body. I think she just kind of expected too much of herself. Um, and you know, it was nice that she said, Hey, I can't, I need more time instead of playing and possibly getting a bad mentality. You know, I would keep losing over and over trying to fight to get back. I think it, it was the best decision she made because she got to focus just on getting more in shape and then didn't possibly let anybody, you know, start beating her. You don't want to, you know, play even when you're semi injured and then people who you've never beaten or never beaten you before get a win. And yeah, you, I might know it's because you're injured, but guess what? It's a win is a win. And that can change the tables. You know, if you play that person later and they've got more confidence on you now, and that can be, you know, that can be an issue. So, um, I think that she's got as good of a chance right now to win as anybody else. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, 
All right, Sloane Stevens has looked fantastic this week. I've never seen her play so well. Usually for for a surface that you think will be perfect for her game, which is so much uh, defense-oriented and long rallies and, and taking uh, offense when she wants to, but perfectly content with just standing back there and just getting the ball back. Um, she's looked fantastic. I mean, she took out Annette Conavit today in 52 minutes. And Conavit is not uh, a pushover uh, by any stretch. And certainly on clay, she's been I one know. of the best people. Conavit took out Kravitova. So, I, I mean, I, that's... Yeah, I get that. And that's what I'm saying. Like, Conavit took out Kravitova. And Conavit has been one of the best people all year. But on clay, she's been playing very well. So the fact that Sloan could go out there in 52 minutes, she managed to somehow, you know, just annihilate Conavit. Uh, it's very impressive. I, it's someone I wouldn't have picked <clears throat> going into the tournament at all. Not even, not even close. But uh, tell you what, Sloane is is making herself known in the first week. Very much uh, somebody to look out for. Um, all right, Madison Keys hasn't dropped a set through four rounds. Again, another player that I wouldn't have picked to perform well in clay. But she somehow managed to be consistent out there. She hasn't beat herself. She's not spraying balls and errors left and right, not making double faults. Uh, she's just managed to go out there and use power tennis on a surface that generally isn't known for it. Uh, but she's looked great, hasn't she? Oh, yeah. I mean, and, she, and she's serving. I mean, her serve percentage isn't doing great. I mean, she only served 50% last match. However, really high first serve win percentage over 80%. And on clay, that's impressive. Um, just because of, of how the clay plays, um, second serve points over 50%. I mean, she's been serving really well, um, converting all of her break points when she's coming in the net. She's only losing once, uh, once or twice. And the biggest thing is her return. Um, like when she, uh, last match, when she beat, uh, Bozonescu, uh, 6164, I mean, she had a solid 50% return points. You're not going to win a match with, if you're only winning 50% of your service points. Yeah, and, definitely not. You know, that's, that's not going to work. I mean, uh, now, not saying Michaela, Michaela didn't win her fair share. I mean, she was 31% of return points, but, um, it, it, she could not, um, she only had one chance. She had one break chance. She broke, um, and it was in the, um, uh, second set. Um, but she got broken back immediately. Uh, so it, it's, it's Madison Keys' service games have been so good. I mean, you go through a whole match and only give someone one chance to break you, uh, you're probably not going to lose. So if she keeps up this serve and, and does return well, like she's been doing, I mean, she's a dark horse for sure right now because if she wins, um, against, uh, Putin, Putin Steva, who upset, uh, Strykova, then she's going to be going up against either Sloan or Wozniacki. And, uh, you know, she could, she could just as easily win those two and make it to the, make it to the final. Okay. Um, all right. So Garbina Muguruza, it appears to be the bookies favorite heading into week two. Obviously Muguruza is a former champion and in true Muguruza fashion, she has done little to indicate uh, coming into a Grand Slam that she would, is, would be one you'd expect to win. <laughs> right. She seems to do that. She seems – I mean, her first French Open was this way. Uh, Wimbledon was this way for her. And now it appears her, her second French Open may be title. Uh, it, we'll see. But I don't, you know, I don't she, see it though. But, you know, but that's the thing though. You know, that's, 
she comes in at some tournaments. She's like she's like the female version of Stan Wawrinka. You know, Stan will go into a tournament having not won more than you know two matches in a row in in months, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, is what he did at when he won the French Open a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, he had he had won a, a match in months, like two matches in a row in months, and then he comes into the French Open and just goes on the patented Stan Wawrinka tear and destroys Djokovic in the final. And, you know, Muguruza does that too. She just – nothing about her, her game, nothing about her confidence seems to indicate coming into a slam that she's primed for a run. And yet, like Wimbledon last year and like the French Open a uh, few years ago, <clears throat> she is someone who just kind of gets catches a wave of confidence and form and just rides that all the way to, to the title. I don't see it. I, okay. I, I see her beating Serenko because um, she's just going to surprise a uh, fourth-round opponent. However, she's going to have to take on the winner of Sharapova and Williams. And the way Williams is playing, I'm going to incline to say it's more Williams. And while she – I think she beat Williams for the French. Did she not? Wasn't it Williams that she beat? Yep. Yes, for she her did. first French. Yep. Um, I just don't see history repeating itself. I mean, we're not talking it's going to be the final. We're talking that Serena's coming back. Motivated because Serena wants one more. I mean, I'm not saying she's going to retire after this, but you know, Serena's motivated, coming back. You know, she's a competitive person. She doesn't have doubles. Her and her sister lost today in doubles, so she's not going to have to worry about that taking uh, any more of her energy. I just think um, even if Muguruza gets to her, She's going to lose. Now, if it's against someone like Sharapova, she's got a shot, but she's got the toughest road because she's going to have one of Garcia, Kerber, Mertens, or Halep to face in the semis to then get to the finals. So um, she could do it, but she's got the tougher road um, for the bookies. I don't, I'm surprised at picking her just because she's got the toughest road to get there. Yeah. Having, having to be the Serena or Maria, who are the only two other – people in the tournament that have won the French open besides herself. Um, that's tough. So, okay. I just don't see it. All right, Eric, let's make our picks here. So we have in the next, uh, round here, we'll make your picks and then we're going to finish off by picking who our finalists are going to be and the winner going okay. into this. All right. So Simona, Simona Halep versus Elise Mertens. Halep. Okay. Um, that's just just easy. I mean, Martin's playing really well, but Halep is still playing well enough that she's gonna she's gonna get through um, straight sets, tough sets, seven five, seven six type of deal. But I just see her see her beating Martin's. Uh, I pick Halep as well, but I think it's gonna be a very tight three set match that I think okay. Halep's gonna win tight. Yeah, I've right got uh, Caroline Garcia beating Kerber. Caroline's looking really she's well. She's looking, looking great. Looking, yeah. She is. She's looking really good. Uh, I agree. I pick. I pick Garcia. I think she's got that power. She's got the game, and she's starting to really figure her game out on clay. Um, Muguruza versus Serenka. I think we both agree. Muguruza, regardless of whether she wins the tournament, it's going to be Muguruza, right? Um, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put it as Muguruza, but I'm gonna think it's gonna be a, a, a three setter. I mean, Serenka played really well against Rabakova, beat her in straight sets. Looks well. Um. But if Muguruza is playing to potential, I think she'll still beat her. But I'm going to call that one in three for Muguruza. Okay. I'm going to take Muguruza in straight sets on this okay. one. Okay. Uh, Serena versus Sharapova. This is the big one. And if Sharapova is ever, 
ever going to break that streak of like what 16 17 18 i can't remember how many straight i think matches. it's 17 17 straight matches that uh serena has won over her since that wimbledon match all those years ago this is going to be the match eric that she's going to do it if she doesn't do it here she may as well just retire tomorrow and, and be done with it because <laughs> well, she's not gonna i don't think she's gonna beat her again i think Serena's gonna beat her um I agree. Sets. I think it's so. going to be six four six four in my opinion. Um, well, yeah, okay. Sharapova is coming off of a great win against Pliskova, beat her really badly too, six two six one. I think that had a little bit to do with Pliskova not playing well herself. Is more of a not just Sharapova out gunning and out playing it. Pliskova that was playing well too. That was kind of lopsided. I, it, it, something was off. Uh, it felt was off. Was Pliskova? Um, I mean, she couldn't. She couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shapiro was returning well, but it's really not something you'd expect Pliskova to win 45% of her first serves and 35% of her second serves. Something was not was not on there um, right. with her. Now, yeah, Shapiro was returning well, but you ain't gonna you ain't gonna be returning and getting 55 and 65% of Serena's first and second serves. It just ain't happening. And that's what, but that's what led her that a lopsided defeat against Pliskova ain't going to be a repeat against Serena. Okay. Uh, all right, Eric. So on to the next one here, we have Putin Siva, uh, who's going up against, uh, Madison keys. keys. So I think it's going to be Madison keys all the way. Putin Siva has played, She's played very well in this tournament, but I think Madison Keys has found yeah. some rich vein of form. I think it's going to be Madison in straight sets. I think it's going to be Madison, but I think it's going to be in three sets because Putin Steva um, is is surprising. Um, I think it's going to be she's going to surprise Madison and win the first set, and then Keys is going to come back win second and third. Um, probably like a tie break is what I'm seeing in my head. Um, but I can just see her coming out and firing because that's what she knows she's got to do. Watching, you know, watching the tape of Keys and seeing how Keys plays and how well she returns, um, I think she's going to come out um, and go for broke, and it's going to get her the first set. But she's not going to be able to, to hold to hold that type of play style uh, the whole match, and, and Keys is going to come back and win the second and third pretty badly too. Okay, <laughs> it's it, I, I'm, in my head. I'm seeing like. A, like winning like seven five first set and then losing like six one six two in the second and third. Okay, all right. So Sloane Stevens and up against the as yet to be determined uh, match here. Uh, I'm gonna pick Wozniacki over Kazakina. I think Wozniacki will win the second set, find a way to gut out a third, go up against Sloane Stevens, uh, and then I think it's gonna actually be Sloane. Uh, something just. You know, I just feel like Sloan is, is starting to play really well. And, you know, she had that really tough match against uh, Georgie uh, in the last round uh, after, you know, before she faced Conovit today. But I think that, uh, you know, Sloan has just got that, that <clears throat> defense and that power when she wants it. And I think it's going to get her to, to the next uh, round. I think it's going to get her past uh the soon to be winner Wozniacki uh, come tomorrow. And I think Wozniacki also have to play two days in a row too. So. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'll hurt Wozniacki a little bit too. So I agree. I think Sloan will beat Wozniacki. I don't see Wozniacki dealing with the way the firepower that Sloan's been, been fi- playing with, especially the last match against Conor Um, 
who had that nice win over Kvitova. I think it's going to be Sloan. I think it's going to be three sets, though. I think uh, Wozniak is going to eke one out, um, you know, because she's, she's a good uh, counter puncher. Um, so I think it's possible, but I do think Sloan in three. All right, Eric. So I want you to make your picks, Eric, for the final on the men's side. And I want you to pick your uh, picks for the for the uh, final on the women's side. A final on the men's side, I'm picking the doll versus Dominique team. Okay. Uh, I have to because I had to fan originally, and you know that just got killed. Yeah. So I have to now change my original <laughs> picks. So I'm going with the doll versus team. Uh, I have Nadal winning in four sets, not not getting through unscathed. I think he's going to win in four. And then on the uh, women's side, I've got Serena Williams versus Madison Keys. Um, and I've got Serena beating Keys. Okay. All right. Uh, for me, I have um, I have Nadal versus team as well. Uh, I think that I think team's gonna you know find his way to the final at this point. I think he's gonna take out Djokovic. No, not Djokovic. Um, uh, Cicinato. and um, I think that uh, Nadal over uh, team in the final in four sets for the title. I think down below, uh, you know, I think it's going to be uh, Halep. Man, Halep versus. I think Halep versus Stevens, I think, is going to be the matchup. I think Sloane Stevens is going to make it to the final. Um, and I think Halep wins uh, in three sets for her first Grand Slam title. Finally, going to get that monkey off her back and win that title. Uh, all right, Eric. So let's finish everything up here. We have uh, two emails, one from Jack. Oh, hold on. Before you do oh. that, before oh, you do I, that. Oh, we do have actually our – yes, Michael sent in his picks as well. Eric, why don't you read out what his finals <clears throat> predictions are on both sides? Okay. Well, I think he did semis as uh, well okay. here it looks like. So for the women's side, he's got uh, Caroline Garcia versus Serena Williams. And then on the uh, bottom side, he's got Madison Keys versus Sloan Stevens. He's got Williams beating Garcia, Keys beating Stevens, and he's got Keys winning it in three wow. for the women's side. So nice. Keys in three. For the men's side, he's got uh, Nadal versus Delpo in the top half, Djokovic versus Team in the bottom half, uh, Nadal beating Delpo, Djokovic upsetting Team, wow. but Nadal winning it in four sets over Djokovic. Okay. So he still ended with the right answer, in my opinion. Oh, well, of course. Uh, all right. So let's finish this off here. We have two emails, Eric. We have one from Jack in uh, Minneapolis. And uh, Jack writes, hi, guys. Been listening to the podcast for a while. I wanted to know if Nadal wins the Unladecima, do you think that he will win another one next year to win 12? If he wins 11, do you think he wins 12 next year? I think so. Um, I don't think he's going to not try to win the French. I don't think there's ever going to be a number where he's like, all right, um, I'm going to not play the clay season to focus on grass. I think more than likely, um, if anything, he'll tweak uh, his clay schedule if he had to and, and drop a tournament just because it'd be like Federer not playing or not trying to win Wimbledon after he's won so many. I mean, he skipped the clay season just because it's his best shot to win Wimbledon. It's his favorite tournament. It's his best tournament. So I see whether Nadal wins or loses this year. Either way, I think he's going to go again next year. But if he wins, um, 
it's just going to give him more confidence. I mean, he's 31 now, now 32. Today's his birthday. So happy birthday at all. Um, pretty certain I'm right. Yeah. Cause today is off and he, it's his birthday. So, um, you know, I think that if he does win, um, he'll definitely go for number 12. I mean, tomorrow because his best chance of catching Federer, and I'm not saying he's trying to catch Federer, uh, especially if Federer wins Wimbledon, it, I think it's going to be out of reach without him winning multiple U.S. Open Australians. Um, but his best chance to catch Federer is is always having a French to look forward to and trying to win. Yeah, I agree. All right, last one, Eric. It is Simon in Australia. So oh. Simon writes, hi, guys. I uh, just want to ask you guys a quick question here when it comes to uh, the chances that we might see a whole generation of players between sandwiched between the Nadal and Djokovic and Murray era and the current next geners like Zverev might never win the, a title. So uh, I think what he's getting at here, Eric, is there's a possibility that we're <clears throat> talking about an entire, an entire generation of players that will have come through that won't, win, that won't win a single grand slam. Right. And I think I was alluding to this earlier about Dimitrov. Like he's 27 years old now, right? So if he doesn't win one this year, the next year he'll be 28 years old. And, you know, yeah, players are, are, are they're, they're playing longer, but there's always that next generation coming behind you. And you've got the Zverevs, you've got the teams, you've got some other players, Eric, that we don't even know about yet who could be capable of winning grand slam titles. So, you know, is there, there's a, I think I, I agree with Simon. I think, yes, look, there's a whole generation, I think, of players that will come through this, this, uh, sport and, and never win a Grand Slam title because they could never knock Nadal and, and the Djokovic and Federer and, and Murray and Stan off their perches and, and win one themselves. See, I, it's, it's, it's hard to answer that in my opinion for how I think of it. I, we're at a point in tennis that has really never been, you know, you've had your anomalies that play past their 30, Agassi, you know, back in the 60s, 70s and stuff like that, where tennis wasn't, um, as grueling of a game physically. You'd have, um, you know, some of the greats were playing. It was, uh, uh, who was it? Um, not Lover, but it was the other oh, Australian. Ken, Ken Rosewall. Yeah, Rosewall. Rosewall was playing well into his, his late well 30s his and 40s, stuff like 40s. that and winning. 40s. Yeah, 40s and you know, he was winning and everything. But what I think is, is can happen as well. In one say, in one, here's what I want to say is can there be a generation to go by and not win? Um, I don't think that there would, would be that to where someone wouldn't because okay yeah, dimitrov's now but i think what's what's happening is you're seeing the players when they're in their early 30s like get the late 20s and early 30s like dimitrov's just below um uh i don't say athletic, but just in terms of how good he is all right he's below the top five okay so what i think though is you might see the people who should be winning right now, like Nadal and Fed and Djokovic and Murray did, they were winning in the early and mid twenties. Um, I don't think you're going to see that happen. I think you're going to more likely see someone who's got super, superb talent like Federer and Djokovic did, like say Zverev, 
Okay. Who's my, the only guy I can say right now that I'm looking at pre 23, pre 24 who can win majors. Or I think it's going to be as, as people who should be winning now as they get older and then the Nadal and Djokovic and Federer retire, they kind of take their place and they finally win, but they're winning when they're 30 and 31 instead of winning where they should. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, I, just, I, I get it. It's I, kind see, of like I see the, the I see the 30 year olds being too much because at the, the mid twenties, they're just, they're, they're not there in terms of, uh, their game in terms of mentality, mental toughness. And I'll be honest, they call it, they don't call it old man strength for nothing. Okay. There's, there's a thing where, you know, as you're getting older and now with better and better, um, health that, you know, the muscles are more compact. They use less energy. Like there's, I was looking at it a little bit because I'm like, All right, how in God's name are they outgunning 22 year old, 23 year olds who should have more stamina, should have more power, um, things like that. So what I see as a possibility is, you know, the, it's going to be like, is it punching through or you're going to see the same Nadal and Djokovic and Murray and Fed winning until they kind of fade away. And then the mid 20 peoples like your Nishikori, um, I won't, I won't say Delpo because Delpo's up there too. So I'd put him right with, Nadal's generation, but people in their mid to late twenties right now, not winning who should win, but not winning until they turn 30 plus. Um, and then the older generation passing them by, I mean, retiring and letting them, letting them kind of win. I don't know if I confuse people on that, but that's, that's how I see it happening because when's the last time somebody's won a grand slam, that's not the big five. It's been well, Chilich, I think, is probably the last one to win. Chilich, and, yeah. and before Chilich, you had Delpo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you've got two people, and now they were both in their early, you know, earlies, um, you know, early twenties and such. And Chilich was probably his mid twenties when he won. Yeah, it's um, like twenty four, I think. Yeah, something like that. So, the, but so that's like an anomaly type of deal. Ever since then, it's that same generation, and I think once they retire, you're going to see people right behind them, like Chilich. Might win some more. Delpo is a little bit younger than them. Win some more. You know, Isner could break through, but by the time they get there, they're going to be in their thirties too. Uh, my my take on this is, um, I, I think this possibility exists, and I think it's going to happen. Um, I agree. I understand what you're saying. Um, you, you know, we could see a Dimitrov uh, taking on like a like a Stan Wawrinka kind of deal, where you know Stan didn't win his until he was you know in his what twenty nine thirty. Um, and then he suddenly wins his first, and it's always possible. And, and with all the talent Dimitrov has, and some of the other players, I agree. But for me personally, I I think that they won't because when Nadal and Federer and Murray go, let's say in two years or so, three years maybe, um, if they don't win one between now and then, now suddenly you're thirty, but you've got to contend with the the newest generation of players who are in their primes. He, they're going to have to go up against a Zavera. They're going to have to go up against a team. They're going to have to go up against some of these other players that are uh, even player like maybe Hyung Chung, um, if he can get himself healthy, you know. So it's like, they, it's just not about Nadal and Federer and all of them. They're unique, but, but there's some other players behind Dimitrov who are younger, who are hungry, who have the belief already, and and don't require other players to retire before they might have a chance to believe enough to win. 
And so uh, I just, I, I think there's a real chance, uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, thanks, Jack. Thanks, Simon, for your emails. We really appreciate it. And for anybody else, please send in your emails to tennisaddictpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, send in your feedback because uh, we love getting feedback, obviously, as you can see. We got some emails in today, which was fantastic. And we'll see you guys next week for our review of Roland Garros. By that point, of course, we'll know who the men and women's winners are. And uh, we'll have fun talking about the paths to the final, the finals themselves, and we'll break everything down. So we'll see you guys next time. And thanks for listening to the podcast. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Addict Podcast by Freaking Geeks Media. Be sure to visit FreakingGeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at Patreon.com forward slash Freaking Geeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really helps. If you would like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to TennisAddictPodcast at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanik or at Freak Geeks. Intro music for this episode is Danger Storm by Kevin McLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Outro music is Nowhere Land by Kevin McLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can also find the attribution in the episode description as well.